Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, this week on The Gospel for Life, we're tackling the issue of money. Uh, it's actually troubling to me today as we look at the political landscape, especially on the Democratic side, that many candidates today are, are openly pushing socialism. Most notably are Bernie Sanders, a frontrunner in the Democratic primaries for president, and of course, freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, both of these politicians call themselves socialists. Now, what does socialism have to do with money in the Christian worldview? Well, we're so glad you asked. I think a lot of Christians have this idea that socialism is wrong, but they don't have a Christian worldview underneath that impulse And so they're left in the position of saying, well, I don't think that socialism is a good idea, but then they can't actually say that socialism is evil and sinful. So let me say it for you. Socialism is sinful and evil. It is a violation of God's moral law. So before we get to that part, brothers, let's start at the beginning. What is is socialism and how did it develop? Um, Well, socialism grows out of Marxism. in Marx, a 19th century um, economic philosopher. Um, Somebody once said, and I I agree with it, there were three great great intellectual superstitions that grew out of the 19th century. Uh, There's Freudianism, Darwinism, and Marxism. And uh, Marxism, uh, the idea that wealth uh, should be redistributed by, well, pure socialism is the idea that government should own all the means of production and all of the wealth should be evenly distributed among the population by, by force, uh, by, by, the, by the authority of government. Um, and, and I'm inclined to think, as somebody once said, that socialism is actually, and this is kind of counterintuitive and may be surprising, but I really believe uh, socialism is a heretical offshoot of Christianity. Mm. Uh, that it took the idea of the kingdom, uh, the the coming kingdom where every uh, hurt will be healed and, and every tear will be dried. And uh, as somebody once said, uh, socialism, Marxism is the kingdom without the king. Uh, it's the, the effort to enforce a kind of enforce a kind of equality, um, but reject uh, Christ in the process and create the kingdom here on earth. But it gets there by theft, uh, by, by taking from some and, and giving to others. I think it might be helpful to, to say that there are some that I think believe that socialism started in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, when they read about um, the early church and they read, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, 
and then extrapolate out that that's how society should be structured, that we have everything in common. Um, but I think it would be helpful to keep that within the context of the teaching of the book of Acts, because you get into Acts chapter 5, well, the end of chapter 4, and they say that comment again, that they have all things in common, and then Barnabas comes, sells his property, and lays it at the apostles' feet, and they're saying, see, look, everybody's supposed to be selling their property and bringing it to a common storehouse, kind of what Phil was talking about. But you go into chapter 5, and you have the story about Ananias and Sapphira, and they sold their property and kept some back. And they're both struck dead, and people see, say, see, look, they were struck dead because they didn't bring everything. Well, that's not what it says. Right. They were struck dead because they lied about the fact of they wanted to give the impression that they brought everything when they didn't. They were lying to God. They were lying to the Holy Spirit. And Peter says this, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound like socialism. Right. And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why? Because it was his. Yes. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And real quick, the lie specifically was, here are all the proceeds That's from correct. the land, which they held back. If they would have said, here are some of the proceeds from the land, that would have been no problem at all. And nobody would have cared because Peter was saying, before it was sold, it was yours. After it was sold, it was still yours. Yeah. And you had the opportunity to do with your property yeah. that God had given you whatever yeah. you wanted to do. Yeah. And, and the commandments of God acknowledge the right of private property. Yeah. Uh, the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. Yeah. Um, and you look at the Ten Commandments. They're, they're stated in the negative, you shall not. But behind every one of them, there's a grand positive. And the commandment, you shall not steal, directly uh, implies, is built on the foundation, that you have the right to private property. Yeah. But, you, you have but go further into the 10th commandment. Yes. It's not implied in the 10th commandment. It's stated. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Yeah. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not. It's not an implicit idea that somehow ownership, pro- property ownership, is 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 a negative thing. It, yeah. it, it says, yeah. So, so people this, own property. This people is, own this, land. This is so important because I, I've heard and I have said this before. Before, you know, in my more ignorant years, I'm only partially ignorant now. I was way more ignorant before. <laughs> okay, you don't need you to just, comment. You just, you, just, <laughs> you just need to hang around us more, Josh. So we'll, we'll get you educated. Yeah, but, <laughs> Um, I've heard this would have been a wonder to yeah. know you in your more. Oh, I know, I know. It's pretty un, pretty unbelievable to think that way. Um, I've said this before, and people have said this, and this is wrong to say that socialism and, and communism it's a good idea on paper, uh, but it just doesn't work in practice. No, it's not. It's it's sinful on paper. On paper, because the eighth commandment and the tenth <coughs> commandment explicitly say that's wrong. Um, and this is where where Marx was ingenious in a diabolical way of of redefining what sin is. He essentially said that sin is the rise of private property, and and the fact that there are unequal portions between you and I in economics, 
But as we've already said it in a couple programs now, Matthew 25 is specifically, Jesus as God is the one who distributes to one and distributes to another and their portions are not the same. So we're actually fighting against God when we pursue that type of socialistic thinking. Well, we mentioned a minute ago, the 10th commandment, you shall not covet. And as I was saying, behind every one of the commandments, there's a grand positive. And behind the commandment, you shall not covet. You shall not be consumed with desire, in other words, for what your neighbor has. Um, behind that is the commandment to be, is the commandment to be thankful, to have gratitude for what you have. As soon as I get my focus on what my neighbor has, now I'm not being thankful for what I have and for the blessings that God has given me. And that's where peace is found. Um, and what, what, what socialism or Marxism in its pure form does is makes a virtue out of covetousness. That, that somehow um, my resentment or, or the resentment of those that have, have less toward those that have more is somehow justified and is somehow righteous. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's not. It, it's corrosive. In some ways, Marx actually puts his finger on a problem, which is our obsession with private property and our desire to find satisfaction and meaning in private ownership. He just offers a a very poor solution. So he is right that he's really, in some ways, echoing the idea of 1 Timothy 6, that this pursuit of money and this love of money does lead to all kinds of evil. And he correctly made that assessment that capitalism was causing all sorts of evil, if you will, in the world. Um, but his solution was equally poor. Um, I would press, press back a little bit. It wasn't capitalism per se. It was the perversion in the human that's heart correct. that twisted. It's capitalism outside of— A biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. Well, and, so, and capitalism was ugly in the 19th century. He, he correctly— um, Noted that. Well, absolutely. And let's, and let's be clear that apart from Christ and apart from a Christian ethic, you know, capitalism can be just as wicked uh, as any form of, of socialism. There's no, in, there's no inherent virtue in capitalism itself, although I do think it's more in keeping with, with human nature. Um, but you're absolutely right. And in fact, I've, of, I've often thought um, that if if capitalism in the 19th century had been really submitted to Christ and if Christians um, had submitted capitalism and the economic system to the influence of Christ as in, and his word, Marxism would not exist. It would never have arisen. Yeah. It, it, Marxism arose as a response to a perversion of capitalism. So... One of the ways that capitalists can violate the spirit of the Eighth Commandment, remember that the Eighth Commandment is thou shall not steal, mm-hmm. is by failing to see that, as you said, Phil, every negative commandment also has a positive implication to it. And Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4, gives us specifically that positive implication. Uh, Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, there it is, Eighth Commandment, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Our private property 
is meant to not only meet our own needs, but to it's meant to meet the needs of others. That's the Christian worldview right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, a naked capitalism w- without that end of Ephesians four twenty eight is is falls short of what God has for us. Well, and I and I think that's exactly Josh what James is talking about in James chapter five when he warns about the rich abusing the poor. Come now, you rich. I mean, I'm in James five one. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the minis- miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Mm. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, and here's where the corruption is underlined. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Anyway, and that is warning about uh, an idolatrous kind of, and this is pre-capitalist economy, so we can't get too explicit about this. But that's definitely a warning uh, about the kind of injustice uh, that God will judge. And I just I want to just reiterate what we said a couple of shows ago. Making a lot of money is not an evil thing. God blessing some person with big a big salary is there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. It it's our attitude towards those blessings that are are really how do we use um, the 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 wealth that God has has given. Um, and so you can be a, a, a successful capitalist and. Honor God. You can be a successful capitalist and dishonor God. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those exist. So it's our view of wealth and our view of how God wants us to use that that really is essential. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you want, if you've missed any of these broadcasts on Money in the Christian Worldview, just subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life. We hope you continue to tune in. We'll see you next time.